I never felt like I was making music for money. Maybe when I first started out, a little bit, but I still wouldn't compromise creatively because if you want something that's financially safe, then uh, wrong industry, you know, just, just stop. Just go, go and go and get a job somewhere. You know, you have to be fearless. You have to be a risk taker. Adaptability is a key component in the music industry. The ability to work with different musicians, styles, and artists of all types is important to ongoing success and growth. There are few better examples of adaptable musicians than our guest this week, Felix Snow. A lifelong musician, Felix has worked with artists like Christina Aguilera, Selena Gomez, Lil Uzi Vert, Gallant, and tons more. He is even one of the creators of the chart-topping song Gold by Kiara, but it doesn't stop there. Today, Felix is part of the country pop duo 17 Memphis, continuing to showcase his incredible musicianship. Felix joins us to talk about how he approaches music on our new season of The Big Break. Well, I was born in Stamford, Connecticut, so I'm from Connecticut originally. Okay. Well, I have to ask you a question, um, and this might seem like out of left field, so uh, I, I'm hoping you know what I'm talking about here, but... Can you tell me a little bit about a Bob Leinbach? Leinbach? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like, yeah, he's, he's the man. I mean, All right. Explain, explain who we're talking about. He's, uh, uh, that was, so when I went to St. Luke's in New Canaan, he was the, uh, man, I don't know if he's still there or not, but he was the music teacher, him and another guy, uh, Mr. Shalinsky. He was, so he was your, was it high school music teacher? Is that right? Uh, yeah, yep, yep, for the last two years of high school, yep. And why is this worth bringing up, do you think? Uh, Leinbach, uh, he's kind of a legend. I mean, he's always worth bringing up, so. <laughs> well, didn't he write, uh, he, he wrote, a, he wrote Still the One, correct? Uh, yeah, he was, he was like part of Orleans, I guess. Okay. And, uh, yeah, back in the day, so. That's funny, and then and that's, it's pretty interesting having a music teacher in high school who wrote, who at least had a hand in writing such a such a famous song. So I, I bring it up only because I'm just this is this is my sort of roundabout way of trying to kind of get into your your um, your genesis, I suppose, of the music of the music industry and as an artist yourself. Did that have anything that class that he or anything like that have anything to do with it, or is that just like a funny side story? Have anything to do with what? With you deciding that music was something you wanted to do. No, no. I mean, he. It was awesome to have that in high school, but I was. I was. I mean, I've just always been into music way, way before that. Okay, well, let's talk about that then. So, you, how did you? How do you recall getting into music? Was it one of those things where you had a music family, or just what was the? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a music family. Uh, my mom tells the story to me because I can really only rely on her. Uh, her story because I didn't have like a I was too young to have a memory but uh, she talks about like uh, playing the Phantom of the Opera uh, music and me just like totally uh, singing along to that or something and I think the first music I actually remember is like the Beach Boys like listening to that when I was like five or six or you know just very very young and uh yeah, that was probably the first memory. 
So how did you uh, how did you first start uh, beyond appreciating music? Start actually, you know, creating it. Where you did you play guitar? Did you sing? What was your what was your instrument, so to speak? Uh, the first thing was drums, yeah, and that was that was probably uh, I was credit. I was talking about them the other day. I was credit like uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers for teaching me how to because uh, Chad Smith was like the first person I wanted to emulate on. Uh, drums and flea was probably the first bassist i wanted to emulate on bass that was my next thing and then after that i wanted to do guitar and it was like Frashante was was the guitar guy you know so and it was just so easy to learn from them too because their their recordings are are just them you know so you could really like hear what they're doing and uh yeah, and, and I think that uh, I'm glad that you brought up Frashante because usually when someone mentions the guitar player for the Chili Peppers, that, that you have to quantify that in some fashion because there's, I think, I don't know, seven. So <laughs> I'm exaggerating. Yeah, he's, he's, he's apparently back. I, oh. I heard that like a few okay. days ago. So you start with drums, migrated the bass on a guitar. Was this in the course of like a year or five years? Like, or this, this all happened at uh, once? Uh, probably like probably two years. Okay, it was wow. in that order. Yeah, probably in a couple of years. But my parents were uh, were just super supportive of that, so that that was a big piece of the puzzle for me. Okay, and g- give me a give me a time frame here, like an age range. What what grade were you in, or something? I think I started playing drums at like nine, nine or ten. Oh, it's nine or ten, and from there, so by twelve years old, you're playing drums, bass, and guitar. Yeah, learn, learning them. <laughs> learning them anyway, sure. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. So when did when did you go from the learning that did you did you like get into like a band or something earlier on? Oh, instantly, yeah. I mean it's I mean that's one of the wonderful things of school is the social aspect. Uh, where you know, there was probably like a band every week, you know, of just yeah, and there was always the music kids, you know, and no matter how horrible the music was that was created, uh the, the, the joy of playing it was always present. Did you have a, like a first official band? <sighs> yeah. Um, it was called Sixth Gear. Sixth Gear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it? And what, yeah. what, what were you guys playing? I, I know this sounds like really granular, but I love these origin stories. Like, and what, no, what, what were no, you guys playing? Like, what songs? Awesome, man. Like, I, I haven't thought about this in quite a while. There's actually... Uh, because it, it was at the same time that it was actually one of my friends, the guitar kid, kid named Eric, had a, a Korg. It might have been a D8, which is a digital recorder. And uh, that was when we all got into recording at the same time, too. And uh, just recording anything, you know, the most horrible stuff, but just loving it. What kind of music were you playing? Chili Peppers? <laughs> Uh, yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd probably, yeah, like modern alternative, you know, I mean, we were in you know, Blink-182 and just, you know, all that kind of typical, like, what you listen to when you're like 10 years old, you know. <laughs> That's great. So let's, uh, we'll get fast for a little bit. You, I think uh, if I understand correctly, you went to uh, NYU and you studied music, correct? Yeah, yeah, I went to the, the Clive Davis program there, oh, which wow. is... Uh, basically uh well it's it's a lot of engineering but it's also supposed to be a industry primer as well you know for for music so tell me about that decision i mean going from playing with your friends in six gear some chili peppers covers to actually deciding to go to school to study this seriously what was the 
What was the turning point in your head that decided this was an avenue you wanted to take? Uh, honestly, it's probably like from when I was born. Like, I can't, I can't. It was never a choice to me. Like, music still doesn't feel like a choice to me. It just, it's just what I do. It just is. And I, I think I'm very thankful for my parents and supporting uh, that that kind of thing, you know, because it's like, you know, uh, deemed to be not a feasible career path, you know, whatever, for your child and stuff. So well, they, yeah. they saw my, my passion for it, and you know, but I've, I've never chosen it. So it chose you, and it was always it was from as early as you can remember. This was a path that you were going to take. There wasn't like that aha yeah. moment. Absolutely, I think if I were to choose something, I'd I'd rather be like a painter or like a, I'd really like to write books or something, you know. But it's just it's all music, and it's all kind of the same thing anyhow. So all right, well, let me take a different stab at this then. You know, what was the thing that made you think that not just that you wanted to do it, which I think is not an uncommon um, motivation. But was there a point where you realized that maybe you could do it? That this was this was something that you really think, yeah, you know, this is more than just a pipe dream. I think I really have a shot at doing something here. In terms of a career, financial... yeah, just in terms of a career. Well, you know, not just being good enough at it to do it that people would want to listen to it. That's one component, but also something that, yeah, this is this is actually something that I'm going to be able to do. And sustain myself uh, as a living. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really think about that until. Uh, yeah, I think it was the last year of college because I went for all four years and I graduated, which is insane to me. Because you know, but uh, yeah, it was. It was like the last year of college, and uh, I was like, man, I. Well, it was. It was out of ne- out of necessity, you know. It's like I needed to support myself doing it. So you, you left yourself no outs. This was burn the ships. You're making this happen, or come come help. Yeah, no, there's, there's, it was just plan A. Okay, That's all right. It. I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, so great. All right. So uh, so you get out of uh, you get out of uh, NYU, and uh, what happens? What are you starting? You know, you get that whole thing. Doors closed behind you. Real life hits you in the face. Wow. How do you? Start well, I I kind of yeah. I mean, I kind of anticipated that. I was like, and I, you know, it came during the last year, maybe halfway through the last year I was like man like you know I need to do this because I'm not gonna (laughs) my parents have done enough for me at this point you know I can't like uh I can't hit them up you know like I gotta I gotta do this some way or another and that was the same time where I was really oh I guess you'd say networking and just really like writing and recording with anybody who like you know was breathing really and uh just like putting all like taking all opportunities and you know just going crazy okay well so when you were going through school help me out a little bit i've I've not gone through a music program but was was were you more emphasizing in like performing or were you more emphasizing in writing i I don't i don't i'm not familiar with how those um those programs work could you can maybe explain a little bit how you how you kind of approach that well, the Clive Davis one is, is kind of, it's unique in which it's, uh, I don't know what they're advertising it as, but, but what I went through it as was like, there's a lot of engineering focus, like they're definitely teaching you how to use everybody, no matter who it is going through it, they're teaching you how to use compressors and like all this, uh, uh, all this different stuff and 
it was at that time that I that I kind of chose to really dig heavy into production. Like I don't know, I got to shout out like uh, Arca Alejandro. I was around him using Ableton, <clears throat> and I was like, man, this is incredible because I was totally into uh, you know Chili Pepper, you know, like the music, music, you know, or like Grateful Dead. You know, I was a huge Deadhead. You know, there's no computers in any of that music, so when I saw Alejandro doing what he was doing, I was like, I really want to, you know, this is a, this is as valid a form of expression, which wasn't the case in my head at that point, but it kind of opened up my eyes on that Okay. Way. And it was, it was a lot of, a lot of production. You know, they, they didn't teach you violin. Yeah. They didn't teach you anything. Like there was some music theory and stuff, but it was mainly about engineering. And then there was like music business classes, which I'm still, you know, I'd still think experience is our best teacher for stuff like that. Oh, we're, we'll get into that, I think, in, in a minute. <laughs> so, um, all right, yeah. so a lot of production work, you know, you're, you you come out of it, and what did, in, in terms of, like, role, what did you want to be? Did you want to be a performing artist? Did you want to be a, a you know, a and or, like, what was your, what was your um, initial goal? Uh, yeah, well, I wanted to be a producer coming out of that yeah. thing, because I, I, I went into it with the artist hat on, kind of, you know, and, I came out of it with the producer hat on, really. And does that take a shift in mindset in any way? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, probably less ego. It's just different. I mean, you're you're working with, uh, I guess both of them, you're working with people, but they're, yeah, they're different okay. jobs. And so what happened? What was your first job out of school? I didn't have any, uh, nope, no, no jobs. jobs. Well, Maybe maybe I uh, can expand the the definition of job. What was your first uh, paying gig? How's that coming out of school? Yeah, I mean, what what ended up happening that happening at that point was, I think it was three or four months before I graduated, and at the time her name was Katie Donovan. She ended up hitting me up. She was where she was a uh, and R at Warner Chapel in L.A. at that time, and she hit me up and she was like, "Hey." You know, you should uh, you should sign with us and, and move out to LA. That is, that's what ended up. So happening. you get a call from Katie uh, to move to LA and sign sign a, uh, and, and basically sign to them to what? Write, produce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do okay, both. So yeah, how, just and how did that happen? How did you get on her radar? Were you were you out there sending them tapes or something, or what was the? No, I mean that was that was directly connected to the whole like. Um, working with whoever the hell I could find, you know, it ended up happening that one of the people I was, well, producing for had a meeting with Katie. Katie heard my production, obviously asked who it was, and then, uh, you know, called me about it. Oh, great. So, so it's basically just do, get, get, get yourself out there, just doing things. So, you know, the, obviously the, the podcast is about, you know, the big break. Would, would you say that was your big break necessarily? Yeah, that well, well, that that was definitely the that was the transitional moment into this becoming a uh, financially viable <laughs> endeavor. Okay. okay, all right, it's a start. <laughs> yeah. So you, you you're out in LA. Yeah. You're with uh, I'm sorry, was it Warner Chapel? Okay, mm-hmm. and you're producing. What what are you doing? What what are you producing? Any any big any interesting. Well, I mean, it, it was an extension of, you know, before that, it was like session, 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 all in New York, you know, and a lot of that was through Crush at the time and uh, uh, 
JD over there and uh, Evan Tobin <laughs> it's funny talks it's not that long ago but it feels like forever and uh, yeah man it, it was just an extension of that where uh, more sessions session sessions except now you're always sessioning with basically other people who are published which is supposed to get you a a higher chance of getting a cut with an artist, which is, you know, like a startup producer's end game, right. you know, uh, to get that producer fee and to get the publishing cut. So what you was know, your first was, cut? I remember the first check I got for, yeah, it was, it was for a Rita Ora thing. I'm trying to remember the name of the song now, but it was definitely Rita Ora. And I remember getting that check in the mail from, I guess, like Sony UK or, or whatever it was. And I was like, you know, part of myself inside was like, yeah, okay. I did it. <laughs> you know, this is, All right. This is cool. So how long, how long were you doing that for in general at, uh, at Warner Chapel? Uh, since Katie called me, I mean, uh, well, I was in L.A. for like just shy of three years. Okay. And then what happened? Where'd you, what, what, what was the next step? Well, I mean, during that time, you know, it's <laughs> life is like a, a self-discovery thing. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, I got to the point where I, where I sessioned with some amazing writers, absolutely incredible writers, like top top, top writers, you know, sessioned with a lot of top, top artists. And, um, there was still that part of me that was me before I went to Clive Davis, who was like an artist and stuff, you know? So after that, uh, well, I guess at the end of that kind of thing, I met, uh, I met this girl, Chelsea at, uh, at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena at Vegan Beer Fest. And, uh, I mean, this is, I'm just condensing so much into so little here, but, uh, you know, we ended up really getting along and, uh, and, you know, fast forward, however, however long later. And, uh, we're making, we're making music together full time, you know, as an artist. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. Well, how'd you, okay. So these, you're, these you're, like, you're, I just did like giant steps in like two seconds. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm like, wow, we went from there to, to right now in, yeah. in a pretty short order. I'm pretty sure there's a few steps <laughs> along the way, but if I'm hearing you correctly and tell me if I'm wrong, but if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that, you know, you're, you're in the studio, you're producing, you're working with artists, you're working with writers, right. but you still had that itch to, to, to do your own music. Is that, yeah, is that yeah, how, yeah. that's how I'm hearing it? No, no, for sure. And, and in the midst okay. of that too, there was like some artist development stuff. Like I, you know, that that was happening as well where i wanted to develop other artists you know and um but that kind of it was just shown to me that that like i still want to do that you know but certain things call to you and you, you kind of have to heed that call as a growing artist or songwriter keeping royalties coming in is important for keeping the bills paid it's also important to keep an eye on those royalty payments a lot of people we worked with here at Royalty Exchange were having a tough time making sense of the royalties that were getting paid. So we built a free tool called Know Your Worth that automatically analyzes every royalty payment made on your music. It breaks it all down in an easy to understand analysis with some insights that would be impossible to find elsewhere. Plus, it connects you with the thousands of investors on Royalty Exchange and allows them to make you offers on your music. 
So far, musicians have raised over a million dollars for new projects, new ventures, and a whole lot of other things just through the Know Your Worth app. If you're earning royalties, you should be keeping track of them, and Know Your Worth makes it easy. It only takes about three minutes to connect an account, and the tool will automatically update over time. Just visit worth.royaltyexchange.com or find the link in the show notes to get started. Now, let's get back to the interview. So let me, let me talk a little bit. You've got a couple things here. I'm just looking through your uh, your history and my notes and whatnot. Um, but I know that you worked on a, a one project that was uh, called out here specifically was with uh, David Singer Vine, something called Mama. Yeah, yeah. You, no, you got it. That was the genesis of our relationship, yeah. Okay, okay so can you explain what that is? Well, it was... Or what it was, that excuse was, me. That was a duo with, with the two of us. And he was... I don't know how I got hooked up with him, but he was uh, through somebody. I mean, who gets hooked up with that? You know, how do you know in LA? But uh, yeah, it was just like a, a duo. It was it was the start of our relationship, I would say. Okay, and it, it got some traction, and you guys uh, went on to do other things. But you were basically brought in, and you you worked with um, uh, Kiara. It sounds like, it sounds like with um, Gold. It was actually a charting a charting song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. That was, uh, <laughs> it was funny. She had actually hit, she had hit David up independently of myself and she had hit me up independently of David. And we both kind of <clears throat> talked to each other one day and we're like, who is this? And, you know, at that time it was in my head to, to help develop artists, you know, it's like, because I was pitching to get cuts with bigger artists, you know, but it's like, why not develop your own artist? So that was my mind frame at that time. Okay. Now you get, you know, eventually it sounds like you actually put together your own uh, production country co- uh, company rather, and um, and a label, um, FS. Yeah, that right? FS. Yep, you got it. Mm-hmm. So what, what led to that? Why did you decide you want to have your own production company and labels? Is this part of the artist development uh, drive? Yeah, that you're talking yeah, yeah, about? yeah. No, basically what I just said where it's like, you know, instead of trying to rent a room in a mansion, build your own mansion kind of thing. That, that was the mindset with that. Right. Is, and I'm sorry for not knowing the details on this one. But is, that, is, that still a, uh, is that still something that you're doing? Is that still operational? Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I'm doing. Um, I have a different strategy these days. You learn over time, you know. Everybody learns. And, well, what uh, did what, what did you learn, and what was the strategy that changed? <laughs> I didn't want to be anybody else's savior. I wanted to work on my own thing, and you know, really get to the heart of. Well, first of all, I wanted to do this thing with Chelsea, which just totally. That's it, you know, that that was the focus and it still is the focus right now. And from there, it's like, you know, perhaps stuff scales out, but 17 Memphis is, you know, 
is the way, the truth, and the life <laughs> for, for for me right now, and for Chelsea as well. Okay, so what? So you now we, we we've jumped to seventeen Memphis now. So what? We, help me out with that one. That's that's your newest, latest. Yeah, it's well, it's it's me and Chelsea. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. And what is it? Is it a uh, what? What kind of music are you are you are you putting together? Uh, timeless music. Uh, it's country music, but it's oh, I don't know. I guess you just call it country music. But we really right. love it. <laughs> All right, hey, nothing wrong with country. But that, but that's interesting. You've you've been you've been dabbling in different kinds of music along the way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, some of it's more I'm trying to find. I, I'm I'm terrible at trying to define things with genre terms because I'm not really. That's not really how I think about music necessarily. Yeah, that's but, a good you know, thing. You know, yeah, exactly, right? So I think more about, like moods and whatnot. But you were what we'd be called more into like so the pop. I I would even almost dare to say dancey almost type of type of realm for a while. How, yeah. how do you? How, so how does that get to country? Was that was it just something that you just discovered along the way that, that inspired you, or was it always there? Yeah, it was always there. I mean, like when you listen to Gold or. Uh, uh, you know, any sort of <clears throat> pop pop stuff I've done, that that was more new than what I'm doing right now, where I'm playing guitar all the time and I'm playing bass all the time and we're in the studio tracking four musicians at a time. You know, that's really what mm-hmm. I came from more than um, Huddled Down in Ableton for, you know, uh, 14 hours straight, uh, you know, producing and mixing this song okay right exactly so a little bit more in the moment but is there anything you brought from that 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 production heavy background that helps you in what you're trying to do now oh absolutely i kind of i think of them as (laughs) two different dialects of the same language where uh if you it's it's just like it's it's like if a, a there's a producer in Ableton who, who's played drums his whole life or something, you know, he knows the, the computer is the more modern dialect of music, but I don't think one is more timeless than the other. Um, they just, they help each other, you know, for anybody making music, I think they're both very essential right now. And what, and it it sounds uh, interesting in that a lot of folks I speak with, you know, there's a lot of folks that are, you know, they, they, there's a lot of production work going on, there's a lot of songwriting work going on. This is a, there's this idea of whether you stick with producing and songwriting or, or, you, or you sort of migrate to uh, performing on, on your own, there's this, there's this thought of working on other people's music versus working on your own, right? And right. That, that's fascinating to me. And then I'd like to understand a little bit better because it sounds like this is a path that you've, that you've taken. You started off very much being part of executing another's vision but you've always wanted to execute your own right and again it doesn't matter whether you stick with you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily you know limited to having going from producer to performing artist i think you could stay a producer within that same path but the idea is like what's in your heart versus what are you doing just to work in the industry so that's 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 an interesting journey as far as i'm concerned and i'm just kind of wondering you know if there's if there's a certain right time where you try to make that jump like you have? Is it just when it just pulls so hard that you have to do it? Or is there, is it more strategic than that? I never felt like I was making music for money. Maybe when I first started out a little bit, but I still wouldn't compromise creatively because if you want something that's financially safe, then, uh, wrong industry, you know, just stop, (laughs) just go, go and, 
go and get a job somewhere. You know, you have to be fearless. You have to be a risk taker. In terms of you know making your own music, um, I always was making my own music. There's a lot of ego. <laughs> Just in the, in the in the music business. Tell in me the more. Music business and and in life, you know, it's uh, just like super, you know, and everybody tries to steal each other's work and whatever and whatever. I guess just for me personally, I felt it was man, it was just such a convergence of factors for me too because it was Chelsea and this new relationship, this new life. Now it's new music, you know. It was like a whole a whole garden like blossoming at once and. Um, yeah, but I mean, in terms of advice, yeah, you you always make music for yourself. Even even if you're a producer for other people, you know, you're still like uh, if you're chasing trends, you, that it's it's not creative anymore. It's not music, yeah. you know. Well, I, what I thought, what I really laughed at was where you said, like, you you know, you've you've already decided upon a pretty risky career. Now is not the time to play it safe. You know, like, if you're gonna risk, risk. Like, don't. <laughs> You gotta go all in, man. Yeah, that's that's absolutely um, that's brilliant. I think. Um, so uh, so now, are you, are you still with? I, mean, I, I know you don't. Want, I guess you no longer work with uh, Warner Pelp. Are you still with, with them in any in any capacity? Are they like your publisher then, or, or how, what's the? Oh yeah, like? no, I'm, I'm still I'm still published with Warner Chapel. Okay. Uh, I'm great friends with the dude down here in uh, in Nashville. You know, and uh, you know they've been great. So that that move, so the move from LA to Nashville was that part of the uh, tr- country music transition type of type of idea? Well, it was part of the life transition kind of thing because Chelsea was, you know, our relationship was blossoming at that point. And, you know, it was just like a get out of dodge kind of thing. We were like, you know, we took a cross country road trip and like a freaking rental truck, you know, up, you know, from from. Uh, LA to Connecticut through through the way of Texas and uh, it was just it was like a, a a rebirth or like a birth in a way okay alright and so how, how long have you been in Nashville now then three three years three okay. and a half maybe okay yeah and what's I mean I heard it's uh, that's a that's a lot happened in Nashville those last three years uh, it's changing quite a bit how, how you keeping up with speed with all of that Lots oh, of growth, new people. Yeah, I mean, just in general, like everyone and their mother seems to be moving there now. <laughs> Everything else. Well, you, yeah, you definitely see an influx of money. There were like, there's definitely like yuppie cars that are there now that weren't there. Even, it's not like we're seasoned Nashville, you know. Represent. I mean, we've lived no, there I get for it. Coming up on four years, but it's like even in those four years, like we didn't see nearly as many Porsches as we do now, you know, and there's like this whole yuppieism that's, uh, moving in. All right. But it's not, it's not as bad as LA. I'm sure I, I lived, uh, for oh, yeah, barely yeah. two years in LA. So I, I understand that, that whole, what'd you think? What'd you think of LA? Um, I live in Colorado now. And so, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot different than Colorado is how I'll put it. It didn't really sit well with me. The skiing sucks. So I had to, I had to move back to the snow basically. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yo, Nashville's like, it's amazing. We love Nashville. It feels like home. It does, you know, that's it. It's just very homey and awesome. And it also, like, the first time I went to Carter Guitars, I was just like, it's such a music city. Like, L.A. is not a music city. It's just not. L.A. is like an entertainment city. Music is uh, a means to an end of entertainment, you know? Where, like, Nashville... 
is music. Music, 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 you know, and it's awesome. It's the only city I can think of that's like that. All right. So what's uh what's what's next for you guys? What do you guys what do you guys what's on the horizon? Seventeen Memphis. We just signed with WME for booking, which is awesome. We're with this dude Kevin Neal, who's like a, one of the OGs. He's like a he books Jason Aldean and yeah, I think he still currently books Florida George Line, and he was with them from the jump. And uh, well, he was with Jason from the jump too. But that's kind of like our, our biggest step up right now. And you know, I'm sure when the time is right, we'll sign with some label or you know, whatever, whatever. But are you making music? Are you like, uh, are you recording? Oh yeah, all all the time, all the time. We're we're actually we're doing a lot of recording at this studio called Sundog and. In Nashville, which is a, a very quaint blue collar setup, but that's that's how we like it. It's it's like uh, it's awesome. It's an awesome place to and you know you like the level of musical talent. Like I said, like we work with this pedal steel guy, Andy Ellison, and just the level of drummers in Nashville, the level of bass players, level of guitar players. You know, everybody's like on this super high uh, musical chops kind of level, which is totally inspiring all right great cool and so and just in terms of you know is, is um are, are you are you producing this yourself when you guys actually come down to you know when you're done recording and whatnot are you using your oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah i mean it's funny man like i i still do everything in terms of like i uh i produce you know arrange it and then i end up mixing it you know i taught myself how to mix which is like half art and half science and it's, it's a bitch, you know, mixing is like, is so hard, you know, and it takes like a different side of your brain kind of, but, uh, yeah, man, still, still doing way too much. <laughs> well, that's kind of raises one last question, I guess, uh, you know, if you're doing the, all that mixing, all that post recording stuff, does any of that, any of that experience bleed in and give you any lessons that you then alter how you're actually doing the, the, the writing or the recording at the front end of it? No, because... It's, it's serving, the latter is serving the former in what you just said. Okay. Where it has to be of, of service to, you know. So it's like, yeah, so you need to keep the creation and the editing separate a little bit, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Or the, or the editing has to serve the creation. Well, listen, uh, drive safely. Thanks for taking some time with us today. And um, yeah, hope to, hope to talk to you again sometime soon. Thanks for joining us. To learn more about Felix and 17 Memphis, check out their social media profiles linked in the show notes. And be sure to tune in next time as we sit down with Cam Meekins to talk about his success as an independent artist. We look forward to seeing you there.